This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Amen. Amen. What does the Bible say? It says, I was what when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I was glad. Anybody glad in the house of the Lord this morning? It's good to see you guys. I want to welcome those of you that are here for the very first time. Glad to have you here. Church, come on, say hello and welcome to those that are here for the very first time. Good to see you at church today. Uh, when you walked in the worship center doors, there was a connection, uh, a worship guide that was given to you. Inside that worship guide is a connection card. Sometime between now and the end of the service in about two hours. Just kidding. You're going to be, you're going to have time to to fill it out, and um, the same smiling faces that handed it to you will uh, take that from you. Kelly, and I just want to send you a letter and tell you hello and give you some next steps should you choose to take those because we happen to believe this is one of the best places to be in town, and God's up to something in this body of disciples. And even at the end of the service, we're going to have what we call response time. And at the, uh, at the end of every message, there's some questions posed, and and you'll be able to come and receive prayer and take communion. We do that every single Sunday. So as we're going through the content today, get your hearts and minds ready to be able to take an action step uh, towards Jesus and towards whatever that is uh, in your life. Um, We believe it's really, really gonna help you. And just wanna say hello to you again. Kelly and I have been out for two Sundays, and we're glad to be back. We uh, just got back from family vacation. Uh, So if it's your first time here or second or third time, we've not met. We'd love to meet you after the service today and say hello to you outside under the tent. And I also want to personally invite you to Growth Track next Sunday uh, at our ministry training center and office complex uh, in shirts off 1518. Uh, And so you get to come and and meet all of the staff and a bunch of leaders, and uh, we'll feed you and feed your kids, and your kids will have their own separate experience. Uh, Last month at Growth Track, uh, we had 17 adults and 19 children at Growth Track. And so um, we want you to come and take a step forward towards what God is doing in your life because, as Crystal said earlier, you are not here in an elementary school cafeteria on accident. God brought you here on purpose for a purpose. And all those that believe it, say a big, loud amen. Well, every summer we go to a summer school, and we don't take a step back um, spiritually. You might go to the beach or to the lake or wherever refreshes you, but spiritually we don't take a step back or take a break. We are pressing in and finding out what we can all learn together. Even our small groups are all going in the same direction with this content, and we dive in every summer into a topic together. This year we've been going through a book called Scent, How to Lead Others into basically a vibrant life with Jesus, how to live a life that inspires others to know Jesus themselves. And and that it's important that you and I understand that as believers, we are not spectators. As believers, you do not come and and choose a church like you would a restaurant, like which one has a better at this, a better that, a better appetizer, or which church has a a more handsome parking team, or which church has a a better check-in computer, or, you know, we don't go through and pick church. No, 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 no. That's a Western concept, by the way. We are being led by the Spirit into a body of disciples that God has chosen for us to develop us and our family and our family tree. And that's why you're here. 
That's why you're here. You're here because you are somebody who has been created on purpose for a purpose and that God's got big plans for you. And part of those big plans are you being a sent person. We believe around here and we've learned in this book and we've also made the statement in scripture that saved equals sent. That if you are a saved person, you are not a spectator, you are a sent person. If you missed any of the previous weeks, please go back, watch them on YouTube or listen to them on Spotify or iTunes and get this content inside of you and buy the book and just get your, your heart and mind ready because you are not in your neighborhood, you are not in your HOA, you are not in your job, you are not in your children's schools by accident. God has sovereignly placed you there on purpose. Somebody say on purpose. We've been learning that as disciples of Jesus, we are sent people. We aren't created for isolation, and we weren't saved for it either. Every day, you and I are put in moments that matter to someone's life and quite possibly their eternity. We've examined some key principles in this series that are truths to every person. And, and I know sometimes we'll do series that will we'll be more focused on a, a certain um, age group or a certain issue. But this series goes for everyone. Anyone who has made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior, this series applies to. Because everyone who calls themselves a Christian is a sent person. We've looked at the theological basis for how God moves in and around our lives. We've talked about the actual gospel, the good news of Jesus, and what that means and how we live in it and how we respond to it and how we share it. We've talked about the mandate of every disciple of Jesus to be a sent person. We've talked about how to be interested rather than interesting and to be curious about who God is leading you to and sending you to. And last week, Crystal taught us how to share our story and how powerful each of our stories actually are. And that people do not get transformed by fact, but they are led to the one who transforms through the gateway of your story. So today we're learning the next step of how to invite others to a response. This is the part that gets a little, uh, maybe brings up the anxiety level a little bit. Um, you got, you're like, no, I'm already talking to my neighbor. That's enough anxiety I can handle. Um, but it go, if you're just talking to your neighbor, that's great. You're just being a nice neighbor. But it's got to go somewhere. It's got to go somewhere. We're going to talk about that today. So, Father, as I speak today, may it be your words and not mine. And may there be an understanding in the room that uh, your word is absolute truth and that it has the ability and uh, the mandate to transform from the inside out. And may that word do a deep work in our heart today, in Jesus' name. And everybody who receives it, say amen. If you're following along in your Bible or the YouVersion Bible app, all of our notes weekly are uploaded there. Look on the screen or on your Bible or on your phone to Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So the question for each human being 
especially in today's culture, is who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say that I am, is what he asked Peter. Who do you say Jesus is? That is the question for every human being. Who do you say Jesus is? And i got to be honest. Why is it that we can talk about football, the weather, our kids, and possibly even politics, but when it gets to this question, our hearts start to race and we can nearly audibly hear the beats? Why is it that we can have deep conversations, and I use air quotes for a reason, why is it that we can have deep conversations about nonsense and, and what's going on in the world? And those are just factual conversations and conjecture, by the way. Why is it that we can have these conversations and regurgitate what we read or heard on the news and call it a good conversation? But when it gets to the actual core of humanity, we stop. I wonder if we'll be able to answer that question a little bit today because this part of the conversation is now at the best part. The conversation has moved deeper. The conversation has moved beyond just knowing your neighbor's name and just knowing um, who they are and knowing their dog's name and knowing their kid's name and knowing what they do for a living. And, and the conversation has now moved beyond that and it has now gotten deeper. And just like the author of the book said, I can talk about transformation and spiritual things all day long, but when it comes to asking the key question, who do you believe Jesus is, I struggle. And I've been there. I've been there. It's like the, the, the doorway to the conversation is wide open. And then there's been a lot of times where I just stood there and let the door shut. The door was there. It was wide open. The, the conversation was there and... I stopped. Have you been there? We must at some point actually invite that person to answer that question. And sometimes they'll tell you. And sometimes they'll, they'll give you enough information to where you know. Sometimes they'll give you enough information to where you know that, that they think that Jesus was just a good guy, that Jesus was just one of the the. the historical figures of old, and uh, even Muslims will tell you that Jesus was a good guy. But is he Messiah, son of the living God? And can I be honest with you? That question, who do you say Jesus is, is the, is the question that the enemy doesn't want them to answer. <laughs> he wants them to, he wants you and I and wants your neighbor to live in ambiguity, to live in indifference, to wade through lukewarm waters, hoping that they never answer the question, who do you say Jesus is? Because fact doesn't change people's lives. If fact changed people's lives, then they would say, oh, well, Jesus is the, the head figure of a religion called Christianity. But even the Bible says that in the last day, there will be people um, walking into eternity and they'll say, I did this in your name, I did this in your name, I went to church in your name, I served on the dream team in your name, I led a small group in your name, and Jesus is going to look at them and say, I don't know who you are. And that's a hard truth to stomach. It's a hard truth to stomach that activity doesn't impress Jesus. 
It's that answer to the question, who do you say Jesus is? Because the devil knows the power of the answered question. He knows the power of a mother and a father to have a solid understanding of the answer to that question. He knows the power of somebody who has the answer to that question. Because when we know who Jesus is, when we accept him as Lord of our lives, when we receive our identity as sons and daughters of God, when we begin to walk in the authority given to us by God, when you and I know the truth, when we've accepted our identity and walk in our created design, when we leave fear at the door, when we walk in peace, when we stand on the word of God and refuse to bow to fear, the kingdom of darkness is on high alert and the enemy's battle plans have been destroyed. He knows that. He knows this. He knows that when you begin to see Jesus as your Lord and Savior and not your Sunday morning spiritual event planner, that you'll begin to live life as a sent person and you'll begin to affect other families in your neighborhood that he has tried to keep in darkness for decades. He knows that when you begin to live life as a sent disciple of Christ, that your children's schools now have a blood-bought, spirit-filled, sent and focused disciple walking through those halls. He knows that when you answer the question of who do you say Jesus is the way Peter answered it, that you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, that you no longer live for yourself and that your life is now on mission. He knows that when you answer the question that he is the anointed one, that he is the savior, my Lord, my foundation for all of existence, that his tactics of confusion, passion, drift, busyness, idle living, and temptation are dead on arrival. So we can see as disciples of Christ, as the purpose church, we can answer the question, who do you say that I am in this way? That you are the Alpha and the Omega, my Lord and my King, my foundation and my rock, my help in time of trouble, my healer, my sustainer, my provider, and my friend. He is my Messiah, my Savior. And may we boldly lead our homes and our children and stand up and say, in this house, Jesus is Lord. In this house, Jesus alone has the words of life. In my family, church is non-negotiable. In this house, we serve. In this house, we give. In this house, we pray. In this family, we love our neighbor. Why? Because saved equals sent. Because we were once called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Because I was once was lost and now I'm found. Because sin no longer has a hold on me. Because hell lost another one and I am free. Come on, somebody give Jesus praise in the house today. Now, a few things that you and I can boldly stand on. And we can hold true today about sent people. And we can accept these next things as our next steps. we got to learn to lean in. Number one, sent people lean in. They lean in. We don't lean back. We lean in. If you're leaning in to a tackle or you're leading in, leaning in when you're on ice skates or you're leaning forward like you've got more control of the situation. You're, you're moving forward, but how many of you have been on ice skates and stood straight up? You're going to fall down. When we lean back, we lose our bearings. Sent people lean in. And as a sent person with this identity, you and I have got to learn how to lean in to those heart beating out of our chest moments. 
We've got to learn to lean in to those moments because in those moments is when family trees are changed forever. It's in those moments that truth can invade darkness. It's in those moments that somebody's name can now be written down in glory and erased from hell's roster. We've got to lean into conversations with curiosity, joy, and an attractive peace. Look at Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech at all times be gracious, pleasant, and winsome, seasoned, as it were, with salt, so that you may never be at a loss. Look at that. Just look at that again. Let me read it again. Let your speech at all times be gracious, pleasant, and winsome, seasoned, as it were, with salt, so that you may never be at a loss. See, when you lean into a conversation with curiosity, grace, a winsome attitude, a pleasant disposition, you will not be at a loss for words or a direction in the conversation. You will not be at a loss. You will not have you will not be sitting there hoping that they say something you can piggyback off. No, no, no. You will lean into the conversation and then God takes over from there. Because number two is sent people lean on. Sent people lean in. Sent people lean on. We have to learn to lean on God, lean on the Holy Spirit and trust him every single time we have a sent conversation. Inviting others to know Jesus is at the core of a saved person. We trusted him with our salvation, so let's trust him with these conversations. And for those of you that have dedicated children in this church, you trusted him, you trusted God by dedicating your children uh, back to the Lord, so trust him with this conversation. Lean on the Holy Spirit. Moses was a stutterer. Balaam's donkey had to talk for him. Jonah ran in fear. Peter had anger issues. And John thought he was better than everybody else. And regardless of your perceived shortcomings, your bents or your personality, or I'm an introvert, or I'm an extrovert, or I'm this on the Enneagram, or my Myers-Briggs says this, or my DISC profile says this, the Bible doesn't care about any of that. God created you a specific way, but the mandate to be a sent person is not determined by how you're bent or wired. We have to learn to lean on God while we're leaning in. I've been in those conversations where I've not trusted God with it and I've tried to bring fact to it or I've tried to bring my, my knowledge to it or I've tried to, you, you know, bring uh, something else to the conversation that I, I probably shouldn't have and, and, and the conversation, like it just starts to dwindle. You ever been in a conversation with somebody and then you both just end up standing there going, you're like a, a living example of King of the Hill in the back alley with Hank. Yep. Yep. Mm hmm. See, when we lean in and lean on, the conversation will not be at a loss. Look at Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't depend on your own understanding. So it's not like you need to do a ton of research. I'm not asking you to do like to stalk your neighbor on Facebook. A creep. I'm not asking you to do, no, 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 no. Don't be weird. Just be genuine. Just 
Just be who God created you to be and lean on him while you're leaning in. Take those opportunities to, to get to know your neighbor. Take those opportunities to meet your children's school teachers. Take those opportunities to get involved and lean on God while you're leaning in. Trust in him and don't depend on your own ideas. Look at the Amplified. Lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all of your heart and all of your mind and do not rely on your own insight or understanding or Googling ability. Lean in. Lean on. This it literally says, lean on me. When you're not strong. <laughs> lean on me. When you're not strong. That's another series. I'll just forget it. Dang, I should have sang that. That would be awesome. I know. You all have lighters. I know you do. So you got to include God in every interaction. Why? So he'll have an opportunity to lead and guide you in the conversation. If we don't talk, God doesn't have an opportunity to do it. You might not always be aware of that conversation coming, but when we say a quick little prayer, when we're like, God, I'm leaning into you, he's the one that will guide you. When you have complete faith in God, you eliminate all opportunities for uncertainty because you are confident that he is always right and he won't lie to you so you can trust what he says. God knows what lies ahead of you. He knows what conversations you're going to have today after this service when you aren't able to see the bigger picture. He does. So in every circumstance, in connection with your life, trust in and lean on him. Knowing God and his ways makes it easy to trust him. So if you're not in the word and you don't know him and you're not hearing from him, then it's easy to not trust him because you don't know him. God has demonstrated himself trustworthy and dependable all throughout the Bible so we can lean on him. So sent people lean in. We don't back up. We, we don't wait to feel the temperature. We change the temperature. And then we lean on the Holy Spirit. We lean on God in those moments. And then number three is sent people lead up. Let me explain. We have to lead them forward by leading toward him. There's an upward trajectory of their life now. They're, you're leading them up. You know how many times, and it breaks my heart. Yes, I grew up in a church that, that did homeless ministry. I grew up in a church where drunk homeless people were falling asleep on my shoulder during sermons. And, and, and I, I, I grew up in a rowdy church in South Odessa. It was pretty, pretty rowdy. I grew up that way. Yeah, that breaks my heart. My dad and mom still do all of that ministry, and they're still involved in all of that, and that breaks my heart. But you know what breaks my heart even more? Is Christians who begin to get connected, and then they all drag each other down. Because if you're just a believer and not a disciple, then when you get together, the strongest personality in the room wins. But if you're a disciple of Jesus and you're on mission together, and you get a bunch of people together, and the conversation turns dark or negative or sideways or gossipy, somebody in that room should have enough Holy Spirit in them to say, guys, what are we doing? 
It breaks my heart when I see people get together. And it's happened in our church in the last eight years that people will get together and, and a small group starts. And, and these things begin to drag people down. As disciples of Christ, we lead people up. But when you and I are codependent on other people and we need people to like us, we don't lead up because we need them to like us and keep us up. It's a recipe for failure. It's a recipe for pain. And in the end, it's a recipe for divorce from the church. And it breaks my heart that the devil can use the people of God to hurt one another. So we have to always be mindful to lead up. So when you have leaned into a conversation, you've leaned on God, and now they're, they're with you and they're, they're in relationship with you, here's a few things. Number one, you gotta teach them the basics of walking with Jesus. If you don't know what those are, you can't teach it to them. You gotta teach them um, how to find out what type of Bible reading a day works for them, what prayer actually is, that they don't have to use a bunch of these and thous and thines, that it's just talking, you got to teach them what that feels like and, and looks like. Landon, I'm not, I'm not a teacher. No, just tell them what you do. Well, I don't do anything. That might be part of the problem. But then you can just be honest with them and say, hey, look, I'm, I'm new to this Jesus thing too. How about we go through one of those version Bible plans together, and then every Friday let's have coffee and talk about what we wrote. That simple. But you're leading up. And if you're waiting on them to give you the idea, that's never gonna happen. You've got to lead up. Number two, you gotta bring them to church with you. You gotta bring them with you to the people of God. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. The devil would love for you to become the sick little zebra at the back of the pack, and those are the ones, you've all watched Nat Geo, they die first. If he can separate you from the herd, if he can separate you from God's people, you gotta bring them with you. Number three, you got to introduce them to other believers and your friends. We've said this before in this series. Nobody told us as adults how hard it was going to be to make friends. They even said, I think my last sermon here before we went on vacation is, I can't just go up to your house and knock on your door because it'd be really weird if I did th this way and say, can you come out and play? If, you, if I ever come to your house and do that, that means we're going to go watch the Cowboys game and eat hot wings. That's what my version of play is. But I just wonder that maybe God is bringing people into your life and you have been lonely and God has been bringing people to you, but we have not walked through those doors of relationship because we're afraid of being hurt or we're afraid of being backstabbed again. But begin to introduce them to other believers and friends. Small groups are an easy in for that. Begin to have them do life with you. Number four, stay in their boat. Stay in their boat. Check on them. Know how they're doing. Put reminders on your phone if you have to. You do whatever you gotta do because God has brought people into your life on purpose. And as you invite them to respond to the question of who is Jesus to you, you are participating in a supernatural, eternal, divine activity. Your life and theirs will never be the same because you're now witnessing spiritual life beginning where there used to be spiritually dead souls. You're seeing new life come back up out of the cracked, dry ground. 
I think it was uh, four years ago, the, the dam at Lake Dunlap in New Braunfels gave way. Do y'all remember that video? And the, the dam just gave up. And you can see the wall fall down and, and they had to drain the lake. And if you look up pictures, if you go home and Google it, Lake Dunlap Dam Failure, you'll see all these pictures and there are people walking around the bottom of the lake after it dried up. And it looked like... <clears throat> The, the ground in that episode, or the ground in the Lion King where Simba needs water and he's walking through the desert. Everything's all cracked and you're waiting on Timon and Pumbaa to run up and there's birds everywhere. But guess what happened? About six months into that dead, dry ground, trees started to grow. And now the city of New Braunfels this month is asking people to take their tractors and brush hogs out there and get all of the vegetation out of the bottom of the lake because it has turned into like a little mini forest. When things start to dry up in your life and they look cracked and broken, you don't know what's under the soil. You let God do what he's gonna do, but if you stay planted, something will grow. And you're bringing people into a moment like that. You're bringing people into significant moments like that. And so they're gonna put up on the screen a resource for you. And it's a little booklet. And instead of printing it for you and it becoming trash in your car console, we're just giving it to you digitally. So you're gonna text the word sent to 210-920-7770. Everybody go ahead and do it right now. Text sent to 210-920-7770. That's no one's personal cell phone number. That's the church's dedicated uh, text response system. And you're going to get this booklet. Inside this booklet, it gives you step by step by step theological understanding of how to communicate to somebody who Jesus is and how to invite them into that conversation and invite them into the, their walk with Jesus Christ. It's very simple, and for all of you in the room who have a brain like me, there are pictures. So there's nice pictures for you guys, and it shows you shows you how to have those conversations. And I would venture to say, even if you've read the book, that even if you had to, just be real with people and say, hey, look, my brain is really foggy but I've got this thing on my phone and it's got some helpful things for me. Can I look at it real quick and ask you a question? Just be genuine because people would rather know someone who's real than someone who's always right and they wanna know you. Don't fake it, they'll know. Be honest about it, be real with them and we always wanna resource you. It'll help you guide these conversations so, so they can answer the question, who do you say that I am? I'm gonna invite the band and the prayer team down to the front. They're gonna help us begin response time. So I'm gonna put that question back up on the screen. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Think about it for a second. Everybody close your eyes and think about it for a moment. Just to help eliminate any distractions for you. Who do you say Jesus is? Has Jesus been the figurehead of Christianity? You're factually not wrong. But who do you say Jesus is? 
And this question might be, if I can be honest, and this isn't in my notes, so I just feel led to say this. For those of you that you're maybe coming out of the Catholic church, this is confusing for you. And a lot of you have had conversations with me and you're like, well, I, I know more about who Mary is than I know who Jesus is. But if Jesus is king and Lord and savior, there's no need to pray to anyone else. They're dead people, they're not listening. Jesus is alive, he's listening. Who do you say Jesus is? If he is the king of your life and not your president, then we follow every word. If he's savior, then you know what you've been saved from and that's part of your story. Is Jesus a good man from antiquity? Is Jesus an authority figure from history? Is Jesus a religious sect leader and founder? Is Jesus an option? Is Jesus a good idea? Or is Jesus Lord, King, and Savior? Who we say Jesus is affects the direction and quality of our lives and our eternity. And today you can make the decision to know God personally by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord, your King, and your Savior. In a moment, these altars will be opened up and our prayer team is here and ready to pray a prayer of faith with you that will forever change your life and your family tree. Your name will be written down in glory. Your name erased from hell's roster. And spiritually, you're redeemed and you now begin a life of intimacy with Christ that you were created and designed for. If Jesus is your king and your savior, but you're not living like a sent person. And Christianity is a a once a week deal, if that. And you want to change that trajectory today because you're being reminded of how beautiful Jesus is to a broken soul. That you want to say yes to Jesus, yes to his heart, yes to his healing. Let me ask you the question, what is making it so difficult to invite others to respond? Jesus? Is it social anxiety? Is it fear? Is it COVID isolation leftovers? Is it the feeling of unpreparedness that causes the brakes to be pressed? Whatever it is, bring it to the altar. Come to the altar today and lay it down. Lay down any fear, anxiety, and opposition to living life as a sent person. And in return, you will receive joy and his conviction and his leading, and you'll never be the same. Everybody look up at me. I just want you guys to know the darkness that you lived in before is the same darkness that thousands of people in your homeowners association are stuck in. The people you are seeing at the pool, the people that you're seeing play with your kids, the the people that are in the PTA with you, the people that are on the other side of the cubicle wall from you, they're not the enemy. Why do you think you're in the same vicinity as those people? Is it coincidence? Because you're at the wrong church if you believe in accidents. God sent you there on purpose, for a purpose. 
And it's not gonna happen immediately. It's not gonna happen overnight. You're not gonna find out exactly who you're sitting. No, no. And is it like every single person you meet, you're like, hey, do you know Jesus? Hey, do you know Jesus? Then they're gonna label you and no one will talk to you anymore. But it's genuine connection over time. As a sent person, you're just living life, leaning in, leaning on. And then when you meet them, you're leading them up. You don't have to have all the answers, but it all starts with saying yes to Jesus. And that's why we, um, in response time, ask people to come down to the front instead of just sit in your seat because this is the safest place in the world for you to take a step forward. So we encourage everyone to do that today. Go ahead and stand to your feet, everybody. Encourage you to take a step forward and lean in to this moment. Lean in to this moment. Because today you can leave here full of faith. You can leave here full of expectation for the future. You can leave here wondering what God's gonna do next. And how many of you, I mean, you're, you're new here within the last year. Did you ever think you'd be attending church in a cafeteria? I mean, God, God's up to something in your life. He's up to something in your neighbor's life too. So as sent people, we need to live a life that invites other people to Jesus. And in, in so doing, we have to answer the question, who do I say Jesus is? Because if he's king and he's Lord and he's Savior, then every decision you make in your life is filtered through the values of the Bible and the values of Christ. Not your feelings or what you want. And I know some of you in this room, you have turned down job opportunities. You've turned down promotions because it would have taken you away from the family of God and away from your family and out of small group and out of serving. And you knew that didn't line up with God's will for you and you said no. That's a a values-based God decision. Advancement in the world doesn't always look like advancement to Christ. So we have to answer these questions. Who do I say Jesus is? So I'm gonna pray for you, and then as soon as I'm done praying, the band's gonna begin to sing, and they're gonna lead us through a song. And during that song, the altars are open. There's communion on the sides here. What they'll do is they, they'll tear off that bread and they'll dip it in the, in the juice and hand it to you. And they will say, your sins are forgiven. We all need that reminder. So we invite everybody to come and receive communion. And if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, one of these amazing trusted people down here at the altar will be so glad to pray that prayer with you because I know all of them and I know what they've been through and I know how God saved them. And they'll be more than glad to pray that prayer with you. And if you're having some issues like living life as a sent person, there, you know, there's a real personality block with some of us. I get it. Some of us are more introverted. Some are more extroverted. But whatever the case, if you're feeling a hesitation there, come and tell them, I'm just feeling a hesitation or, or a fear or I'm scared to do it. Just come and have them pray some boldness and courage over you. The Bible is very clear that prayer works and the prayer of faith between two people is powerful. So come and receive it today. Amen. Come on, let's lift our hands to the Lord in this moment as we surrender. God, we say yes to you and your ways and your will. Your ways are higher. Your ways are better. 
So we're coming to you in these moments just as we are. And we're not walking down as perfect people. We're walking down as, as people taking a step into Jesus Christ, taking a step into our tomorrow, taking a step into our purpose and our destiny. So God, in these special, beautiful moments, these spiritual moments, may we not lose sight of the fact that you called us and created us on purpose for a purpose, and today we can take another step in that purpose. And God, for everyone in this room that is going to make Jesus Christ their King, their Lord, and their Savior, we celebrate with them today that hell's back has been broken and that heaven is having a party today. And Lord, may we respond to your word and respond to your gospel as we move forward in our walk with you. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. The altars are now open. Um, You are now free to come and respond. We'll end the service here shortly. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.